Hey, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Dave Pash Podcast. I'm your host, ESPN, and Arizona Cardinals play-by-play announcer, Dave Pash. Like our previous guest, Charles Davis from CBS, we're going to keep it national, talking about the upcoming NFL season with ESPN's Marcus Spears. You can see Marcus on so many different platforms, whether it's a podcast with Kendrick Perkins, going head-to-head with Stephen A. Smith on First Take, SportsCenter, NFL Live. Marcus is everywhere now on ESPN, and he's outstanding. He's fun, he's likable, he's engaging, and hopefully you'll enjoy our conversation with a guy nicknamed the Big Swagoo, who was an excellent college football player at LSU, first-round draft pick of the Dallas Cowboys, and now a very accomplished broadcaster for ESPN. That really comes across on the air, and I think it comes across during our conversation here about the Cardinals, about the NFL, and also how Marcus got into this business to begin with. As I got started getting towards the end of my career, I started realizing, like, man, I want to do radio. I have opinions. That was my train of thought. And then my wife was like, no, nah, you should try to do television. You got a big personality. People like you, they gravitate to you, and you really don't hold back. We are presented by BetMGM, the official sports betting partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Gila River Hotels and Casinos. Get ready for a football season like never before with BetMGM, an official partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Sign up today using code CARDS1000 and get your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions, 21 and over, Arizona only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. All right, let's talk about the upcoming Cardinals game with Kansas City, as well as the 2022 NFL regular season. Get some playoff predictions as well from ESPN's Marcus Spears. So first of all, I don't even know if I call you Marcus Spears, Big Swagoo. I get confused with all the names that uh, that everybody calls you by, Marcus. But your, your weekly schedule right now is just as crazy. What's it like a day in the life or a week in the life of Marcus Spears at ESPN now that football season's about to get going here? Man, first of all, thanks for having me, brother. It's crazy. Um, and, and, and call me whatever you're comfortable with, BP. You, you, you know, you've been around, you've earned that. You got, you got a lot of stake in the game, brother, more than me. So whatever you deem fit. Um, but it's just like I got my schedule – um, actually my actual schedule a couple of days ago, and it was a reminder of how much football is about to happen. Um, but Monday through Friday, I have no time um, at all anymore. It's football season, and it's exactly how I would like it, to be honest with you. Um, I still get a chance to see my kids play. Uh, the schedule works out that way without being, you know, being too crazy. I'm, I'm able to be home two days a week during the week um, to catch what they do on the weekend as well. So, it, but but now it's time, man. I mean, I sit around in the off season and I do volleyball. I do travel basketball. Um, both my girls play volleyball. My son plays travel basketball. But when football season starts, everybody kind of starts positioning themselves because they know I'm going to go into into that mode. My wife already is ready. She got everything settled. Um, and, and, and DP, honestly, man, we've been doing this since I've been playing, since I was playing. Like everybody knows that this time of the year, which I call 
a six-month holiday for me, it's time for me to lock in and get it going. But you're still busy doing NFL Live, and then I see on First Take and Sports Center. What yeah. the the relationship with Stephen A. Tell me, like, how that has evolved into what it is because you can go toe-to-toe with him now. He may not want to admit that, especially when it comes to Dallas Cowboys talk. Yeah, man. Um, you know, Stephen A., first of all, ton of respect for him. It, it's a huge platform. We all know that. Um, first take is a, not only a very highly rated show, but a lot of people watch it um, from the standpoint of different demographic dynamics. Um and, and just to have the opportunity a couple of years ago to be on that platform um, was 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 phenomenal. But but honestly, Paz, like it's it reminds me a lot of what I did growing up, man. I do TV just like I did when I would talk to my dad and my uncles about football, basketball, and I think that's the one thing that first take and also get up allowed me to do was to talk more than just football. Um, I never wanted to be pigeonholed into not, you know, thinking that this is just a football guy and that's the only thing he does. Football is my passion. It's what I love. Um, It's something that I have my 10,000 hours in. I understand the game. I have a ton of respect for the game. I have a lot of relationships in the game. But the NBA as well. Um, I played basketball growing up, was was very highly recruited. Um, So I understand that game um, at some very high levels as well. But being on first tape with Stephen A just reminds me of what I did with my dad and my uncles and my family members and my best friends. Um, you know, it's a debate show, like we like to call it because we politically correct, but it's really just an argument show. Um, <laughs> and, and, and to get your opinion across, and you argue, like when I was arguing or, or debating, as we like to call it, with my uncles and with my dad, obviously they didn't think I knew anything. <laughs> about what I was talking about, but it got me ready for that arena. Um, but I think it, I think it really starts with respect, knowing that you entering it into his domain. But Stephen A knows um, that I'm not afraid to to go toe to toe. I'm not afraid to touch every topic. And when we agree, we agree. Um, when we disagree, we disagree. And when it comes to the Cowboys, you know, I tell them all the time: one team out of all 32 is going to win the Super Bowl. Now. I have no defense for how long it's been since the Cowboys have at least been back to the Super Bowl. And I have eight years in there where I wasn't able to, uh, as a team, we weren't able to get there. So that's hard. That's a hard one for me. And then when they make the mistakes that he predicts, it puts me in a terrible situation. But more than anything, DP, the hospitality that they show him when he gets here is what rubs me the wrong way more than anything. Um, because of the disrespect that he gives the Cowboys every season. And then when he comes here, Jerry rolls out the red carpet for him. He was on the helicopter. He getting invited to lunch and all of this. I think that's the ultimate level of disrespect. And I'm actually mad at the Cowboys for that. You know, Stephen A. has – this is why I think he's different from somebody like Skip Bayless – where mm-hmm. Stephen A. can say something, he can rip your team, but the way he does it, you take it seriously, but you don't take it personally. And maybe right. that's why. Like, it's different with him when it's yeah, coming from and, him. And, and also, Dave, if you, if you, if you watch Stephen A., he defers a lot to your expertise. 
whether you are a former NBA player or a former NFL player. And I think he never tried to go toe-to-toe with football acumen when it comes from actual experience. He goes at it from a reporter standpoint, from, from you know, and, and I say a lot of times, even from a fan standpoint, because even if, whether you hate him or you love him, he does give a perspective of a sports writer and also a fan. Right, like we could grill him about how bad the Knicks have been. We can talk about the things that have happened in Pittsburgh with holding on to being too long, and they haven't won anything because those are the teams that he 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 roots for and loves. But ultimately, he never like like if you watch when we're on, when I'm on, when Ryan Clark is on, or or Damian Woody, or Foxworth, or Dan Orlovsky, like he defers to your football knowledge and information. As a former player, he never tries to enter into, you know, the, the nuances of the game that we would know that somebody that didn't play wouldn't know. Um, and that's not a knock, but that's just, you know, we respect him for that. I know a lot of guys have mentioned that to me, that actually, that work in the business is that, you know, he doesn't try to put himself, um, kind of act like he knows more about the actual playing of the game, right? Like yeah. you could speak to the game without ever playing the game. You can give opinions about plays or the game if you, if you've never stepped foot on the field. I'm I'm all for that. You can do that. That should be open to any anybody with eyes and willing to study it enough to understand what's happening. But sometimes it's like you get toe to toe with a guy that's been in the trenches in the fourth quarter when your legs feeling like a thousand pounds, and you can get have someone act like they know what that feels like. That's the difference um, with me. Um, of how he comes about it. Well, you certainly know what it feels like, Marcus. You were a great player at LSU, first-round draft pick. And I know injuries – you still had a good NFL career. You mentioned the eight years with Dallas and then finished up with Baltimore. I know injuries hurt you, uh, and we've seen so many guys that have such promising careers. And I work with Dusty Dvorak in college football, and injuries killed his career, you know, killed his career. Um, did you think when you were playing for the Cowboys or maybe even at LSU, did you think that you would get into TV and be talking about sports when you were done playing? Man, you know, Dave, I, I, I wanted to do radio. Um, TV came about because of my wife and my sister, actually. Um, I did a radio show on our off days on Tuesdays with a guy in Dallas named Brady Tinker who helped me tremendously. Ed Werder was obviously the Cowboys reporter. I would ask him about how is it work how is it working for ESPN all the time. Um and not to mention, you know, playing for the Cowboys, you got access to every media medium on in the in the world, not just in America. Um so I had a lot of that around me. I had the Brad Shams and the Babe Loffenbergs, um, Clarence Hills, the the I, writers and people that were on the television side. And as I got started getting towards the end of my career, I started realizing, like, man, I want to do, I, I want to do radio. I have opinions. I was one of the guys that, you know, I wasn't quote unquote a superstar, but I would always get a lot of media in my locker because they knew it was going to be some honest um, assessment uh, of, of what we were doing, what, why we lost, why we won, um, guys play, how we play, how I play. Um, and just finding that fine line. But it started to become a thing for me in radio because I thought radio, obviously, long form, 
You get you get to talk about it a lot, but ultimately it goes back to what I told you about first tape. I knew that I would able, on radio I would be able to talk about all sports. I knew I would be able to talk about more than just football, even though that would have been my expertise. So that was my train of thought. And then my wife was like, "Nah, you need you should try to do television." She was like, "You you need to be on TV. You got a big personality. People like you. They gravitate to you, and you really don't hold back." That was what my wife told me. And then my sister, and, and, and it was divine, man. My sister called me and was like, hey, have you seen that they starting up the new SEC network? And I was like, yeah, I've been following it. Because, you know, when you play, you always argue with guys from other conferences, who the best conference, who the best schools, or whatever. And um, they, I, really, I literally, man, was like, okay, well, let me, let me just try it. So I, I DM'd Stephanie Drewley on Twitter. And I was like, um, I, I see, you know, she. I, I went through the, the Google and whatever, and I saw that she was one of the executives that was responsible for getting it started up and running. And I DM'd her, and I was like, hey, I want, I'm interested in doing TV um, with the SEC Network, you know, coming from LSU, just finishing my career. And, bro, she sent me a DM back and was like, um, good, to, good to see that you're interested. Send me some reels. And I was like, man, I fish and hunt all the time. What she want reels for? Like, <laughs> um, and and had no no clue, bro. Um, and then I texted the back. I mean, I DM the back. I was like, reels. I, I was like, I don't know. She was like, yeah, send me some TV stuff that you've done. Because if anybody knows Stephanie, she don't play around a lot. She was like, just if you got film of, of you doing TV, just send it to me. So I sent some stuff in, man, and and um. I received a call um, to come up and audition in, in Austin, Texas, at the Longhorn Network, because it, not for Longhorn Network, but, well, actually, I went up to Bristol first. And when I got there, BP, it was six degrees, bro. And I was like, well, if I got to work up here, I'm probably not going to go forward with this. Um, and then when I got in and I, I did my um, I did my interview, my, my audition um, with Brock Hewitt. And we went through some, you know, highlight films and broke some stuff down. And and I felt myself kind of like uptight and was like trying to be, um, I guess, quote unquote, professional um, or a professional sportscaster or whatever. Um, so it went dark. I didn't hear anything for two weeks. And then I got another call and was like, hey, we want you to come to Longhorn Network in Austin and audition again for SEC Network. And I went up, man, and did audition was a was a lot more possible. Um, and two weeks later, I got a call and said, "Hey, we're gonna hire you at SEC Network." And I I was thinking I was just gonna do studio. And then eventually, I get a call again about a week later. It was like, "Hey, we're gonna put you on SEC Nation, our traveling road live show." And bro, literally, I text Stephanie. I was like, "You sure about this?" She was like, "Look." You be yourself. I know you don't know nothing about TV. Be yourself and talk about what you know, and everything else will work out. That's how my career started at ESPN. And the rest, they say, is history, man, because you're great at what you do. You're so engaging. Your big personality off the air comes through on the air. You're very likable. And, you know, Stephanie now doesn't just run the SEC network. She she runs ESPN. She's one of the top executives at ESPN. Yeah, exactly. Um, what would be your it was advice? Good to start out with her. Yeah, absolutely. 
Uh, you know, so this podcast thing, Marcus, is new for me. I think this is episode 38 or 39, and I've had, you know, other broadcasters on, play-by-play announcers, analysts. Uh, it's Cardinal-centric, so, you know, Cliff's come yeah. on a couple times, Steve Kime, had J.J. Watt and Zach Ertz and James Conner and Buda Baker. And those guys, those players, like, we'll talk 25, 30 minutes. There are some players, some of the younger guys in particular, that are a little bit more shy. And they're afraid to say things. So what would your advice be to a young player um, about giving the media enough information where it's interesting and entertaining, but obviously not damaging the organization in the process? Does that make sense? Yeah, man. I, I think. I think the advice I would give those guys is to every time you step in front of a camera, protect your teammates more than anything. Um, and when I say protect your teammates, you can tell the truth about what's happening within your organization without being malicious and without naming names. Um, you know, one of those classes that you go through is always uplift your teammates, talk about them in a positive light. And I think you should do that. But but the reality is in the NFL, you're not always getting along with your teammates. You're not always feeling like you're playing well or your teammates are playing well. Um, and never, I, I my cardinal rule was never make it about me or them, make it about us. So even if you say something that's considered quote-unquote negative, but if it's true, most of the time, grown men, teammates, organizations, will will be okay with that. You don't divulge sensitive personal information. You don't talk about a guy and what he does preparation-wise or in particular. Those are the things that I would tell those players. And then the next thing, man, is and something that I've, I've been fortunate enough to be, you know, with my mom and dad and my family to always just be authentic. Like, some people going to like you, some people not going to like you. And once you're okay with that, you can move forward in your career. You could do uh, – it gives you a sense of freedom to be able to speak on things that you want to speak about. Some things you're just not interested in, I feel like you shouldn't speak about. Um, so I, that, that would be my advice, man. And then when it comes to the organization or, or um, trying not to say anything, that, look, man, the reality is this thing is already on display. Like, we know when the Cardinals are playing bad or the Cowboys or the Rams or we know when teammates have issues. We saw, uh, we saw Johnson Allen at the run pain fight on the sideline. Um, obviously, that wasn't good. <laughs> like, everything wasn't uh, peachy and, and, and all well, but you also, as a teammate of those guys, can you respond to that situation. So what happened on the sideline? All right, if somebody interviewing me, Marcus, Deron Payne, Johnson, Allen had a fight. What happened on the sideline? Look, man, this game is this game is is is, is very important to us. This game is critical. We're in the heat of the moment. Our guys had a disagreement, and sometimes those disagreements go to that point. Now, obviously, we wouldn't have liked it to get to that point, but we gonna sit down. We teammates. We've been around each other. We grown men. We'll figure out how to get it figured, get it fixed. These guys will be okay. And that's pretty much all I have to say about that because anything else that you guys are going to ask, you're trying to dig deeper into relationships, and I'm not willing to divulge that to you because this is personal to us. That's how I would have those guys answer that question. I've told you that, yeah, there's an issue, but the issue won't linger because leadership will make it happen. We'll talk. 
these guys don't hate each other. They had a moment, and we're going to move forward as a football team. I think that's how, you know, you, you can handle things and say the truth without telling people everything because everything doesn't need to be known either within the organization or within the team. But if there is an issue, you can touch on that issue and let them know that it, it is an issue, but you always should be working towards fixing it because ultimately working towards fixing it makes you a better team. And, and that would be the advice I would get those guys. Ahead. Well, as you're talking, I can't help but think of Kyler Murray, who has yep. embraced exactly what you're saying. You listen to mm-hmm. Kyler talk now and how he we had him on our preseason telecast the other night, and he very engaging. The answers were lengthy. They were detailed as opposed to early on, I think, as any rookie is. You're, you're yeah. unsure of where the media is coming from. You, you don't want to say something that's going to make yourself look bad or your teammates look bad. I just – watching that and, and Kyler and how he's talking to people inside the organization and with the media, yeah. and, and maybe it's wishful thinking you're 21 with this organization, but I feel like he is poised, along with his ability, of course, poised yeah. to have a huge year and that the team's poised to have a huge year. What are your thoughts yeah, on I, Kyler and the Cardinals? I believe so, too. I I, I think – Obviously, we've had a ton of conversations about Kyler's maturity, and I've always been one to talk about, hey, young. But but being young now in 2022 doesn't mean the same thing as it did when we were young, Pat. Like, people expect you to be a grown man. They want you to know how to answer every question. They want you to do things the right way. And obviously, the contract situation with the clause didn't help improving to the general public that that maturity had already set in. But beyond that, I think sometimes adversity for guys like Kyler Murray is the best thing. Because if you think back, like I I was in Texas when Kyler played at Allen High School. I have never heard anyone say anything bad about Kyler Murray. And maybe as a young guy, you start to kind of get in a groove and you start to think that, hey, this is the way things are going. He was drafted top ten in the major leagues. He got drafted number one overall in the NFL. And maybe that situation was a humbling experience for him. And it did make him dive deeper into, like, okay, how am I managing all of this? As opposed to what the media is saying or people around me telling me how good I am. I just got a new contract. Like, handling success is harder than handling adversity when you're young, man. And I tell people that all the time. Like, the success part almost puts us into a mindset that, hey, this is how it's going to be. Like, we know playing bad, things are going to come along with that. But ultimately, like overall in life, if you think about Kyler Murray, he really has been an elite number one guy for the last 12, 13 years. And with this contract situation, I had to kind of just take a step back um, and think about, like, where where would I be at his age? What would I think if something like this transpired? in the organization and something like this got out. And public perception, how do I deal with that internally? And what you're saying, like the maturity, the speaking about it, being upfront and honest about it, I think is the best, not thing, I know for me, or like I try to tell a lot of people, that's the best way to be, man, be upfront. Because whether you tell the truth and you true to your convictions, people gonna hate that and some people gonna respect it. So you might as well not lie about where you are because people are going to hate that and some people are going to accept that as well. 
So I think you just you have an honest approach, and that's what I've been seeing from him moving forward. Just kind of honest approach. Like, yeah, maybe some of these things are true. Maybe I do need to become a better leader. Maybe I do need to speak more about like what I'm doing and, and, and my intentions as opposed to letting the narrative about me continue to circulate and, and other people kind of put these things on me when it's not um, entitled success or, or titled success of Kyler Murray. These are some of the lumps that you take as a young player. But, man, when you're the face of a franchise and you're the quarterback in a league that people can't get enough of and you've just been uh, rewarded for what you've done, the type of contract, you have to you have to start gaining a different perspective. You have to start approaching things differently and, and not so nonchalantly. That was one of my things with Kyle. I thought a lot of it just was nonchalant, like not understanding the gravity of what we're talking about or what you're doing. So I think that just comes with time, man. So to your point, I think he's poised to have a really good year, and I think it has more to do with his mental than his physical ability because we've always known he's been a hell of a football player. So Spears, looking at the NFC West, Seattle still has you know some pieces on that team that have been part of major success there. But you're starting Geno Smith at quarterback. Geno is a big step back from Russell Wilson, whether it was Geno or Drew Locke. San Francisco now with keeping Jimmy G makes you wonder, do they really believe in Trey Lance? And then who knows about Matthew Stafford's elbow with L.A.? So you've got some question marks at the most important position on the team in those other three organizations. Yeah. While the Cardinals have a rising star quarterback, what what is? How do you see the Cardinals finishing in the NFC West? And is the NFC West still the best division in the conference, if not the league? I think it's the best division in the conference. I do believe that, um, and I think Arizona right now. They, need, they are at a point where they're deciding who they are. Are you going to, number one, reward your quarterback with the type of money, but are you going to be able to supplant the San Francisco 49ers and what Kyle does over there? Um, Matt Stafford, obviously, with an elbow, we got to see what he's going to be, but you still got to defend against the defending champions and understanding what that road is like and having been there twice um, as a coach who, you know, with Sean McVay. So I think the Cardinals, Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury, along with everybody else, man, because I love, I love this young team, to be honest with you. I love Buda Baker. We were high. They got to figure out how to sustain it. And usually when you see teams fall off at the end of the year, it is youth. That's why we talk about experience so much. That's why everybody is always enamored with Tom Brady and, and how he's able to kind of get going during the play. Bro, it's experience. I know how to do this. I know how to prepare my body. I know how to study. I know the level in which the games are going to be played. Um, when you're getting down to the crunch time and you're trying to get a number one seed or you're trying to make ways through the playoffs. So all of those things, things to me for the Cardinals are what they are going to have to figure out going forward. And it's going to start with their head coaching quarterback. And, it, look, if you don't, if you want to hide in the NFL, don't be the head coach and don't be the quarterback. So these two guys, especially Kyler being on the field with Diop out the first six games, leadership is going to be on the test. How fast can we get it going? Our ability, our ability to play well together, 
uh, some of that veteran leadership that they're going to have defensively. Like, all of those things have to come together because we know the type of football that San Francisco plays. It's hard to defend. That's a hard team to beat um, a lot of the times, especially towards the end of the year, because they have that experience, too, of going deep into the playoffs. For me, when it comes to Arizona, Tyler's maturity, Cliff's ability to prepare these guys and get them ready for weeks uh, 11 through 17 or 18, and then once you get into the playoffs, to be prepared. Because, Pash, you know this as well as I. Against the Rams, they were not prepared. It just – it it was – you can, there's a there's a plain bad and then there's a unprepared and and to a man and woman people that I know know a lot about football even former coaches that I spoke with about that game former players they looked unprepared so that's all maturity and and most of the time we gonna look at the head coach we talking about it here in Dallas bro you can't leave the league in penalties and then lead the preseason following that season in penalties. That's coaching. That's being unprepared. That's not making the necessary adjustments to be a better football team. So those are the things that will be on display for the Cardinals. And if it, with college maturity, we know he can play. We know he's dynamic and he can do everything you need him to do as a quarterback to win games and win championships. It's the mental piece between him and his head coach down the stretch. Those are what the two teams. So right now I have them third, Pash, just if you're asking for a ranking. Right now third in the division behind the Rams in San Francisco, and they can absolutely supplant one of those teams, but it's all going to boil down to preparation and their ability to do it down the line. So you have them third. Do you have them in the playoffs as a wild card or out? I have them in the playoffs because when I look around the rest of the NFC, man, like I, I just don't. You know, it's it's a it's one it's tough because they're division, but I look around like the rest of the way. Like I got the Saints in Tampa, right? I got the Rams, San Francisco, and Arizona. So that's five teams. I I I'm I'm almost I'm I'm about to flip the Philly out of the NFC East. I'm with you. Okay, and you know I'm I'm very interested to see what Dallas is going to be. Um. I just can't put my trust in Carson Wentz, but I know that they have a lot of talent with the Washington Commanders. I'm just, you know, struggling with that quarterback situation and what he's actually going to be. Um, but right now, like, I would have them in the playoffs, man. Like, and, and you know, Green Bay, obviously, being that team, the, the top team. But they, I think they're going to be fighting to, to get in there because – Right now, when I look at the NFC, man, honestly, like those teams that are in divisions that's tough or those teams that may be like right there in that six or seven seed, for me, would be the Cardinals, would be Minnesota. Um, outside of that, man, like I don't see many of these other teams in the NFC making crazy waves. Right. The NFC is not as deep as it's been, while the AFC seems oh, loaded particularly yeah. the AFC West. The Cardinals' first two games are against teams from the AFC West versus uh, Kansas City Week 1 and then at the Raiders Week 2. Are you a believer in the Chiefs returning to Super Bowl form this year or uh, without Tyreek Hill, are they not as potent offensively even though Patrick Mahomes is their quarterback? I believe they can be potent um, without Tyreek Hill. Um, 
I believe you go to more of a golden state because, you know, I love basketball where you do it by movement. You do it with a lot of guys. You do it with some guys that people don't know their names that instantly ring bells. Um, but I don't think they gonna, I don't think they're going to miss a beat. I've said it this offseason. The one concern that I have is when it's crunch time and they in critical leverage games that was always Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill or Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. I want to know if they are going to have a guy that he trusts enough to scramble around for 10 seconds and hurl that thing because he know he's going to be behind everybody on the defense. Um, and Paz, you know this, man. Like you, you covered this game. You talk. You know this game inside and out. When we start talking about teams like the Kansas City Chiefs or the AFC West, we talking about playoffs. We ain't talking about regular season games. We talking about high leverage moments. When those type of guys, those Tyreek Hill, those Devontae Adams, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Kyler Murray, are in those moments to go to the next week and be able to play in the playoffs or secure a top seed and get home field, can you depend on the new guys with these different situations and scenarios? That's what I'm waiting to see with Kansas City. They'll be in the playoffs. They'll be in contention for number one in their division, I believe. But ultimately, it's about those high-leverage moments. And right now, I got the Chargers winning that division because of what they did defensively. And if I got any big questions about Kansas City, it's that side of the ball. Mahomes and his offense would be fine. Last one, Marcus. Is there a team, NFC or AFC, that you see as a major sleeper? Because this, you mentioned the NBA. You pretty much know you could probably name most of the playoff teams yeah. before the season yeah. even starts. The NFL, yeah. that's a futile attempt. Yeah. You, you're going to be wrong on half the teams. So is yeah. there a sleeper, somebody that no one's talking about, that was a bad team last year or that had talent but just had a lot of injuries that you see getting to the postseason and being a factor? Indianapolis Colts. Yeah. Um, I think Matt Ryan is going to change not only the mentality, he's going to make those guys around him better. I don't think Jonathan Taylor is going to have to be the the, the, the workhorse that he was, but still highly effective. Um, but when I look at that team from an offensive and defensive standpoint, now with a veteran quarterback, I mean, they almost beat Buffalo two years ago in the playoffs with Phillip Rivers. Um to, to advance, so that that's the one team that I got my eyes on. They got they got big names. They got a lot of talent. They got elite players with DeForest up front. You know, with with, with obviously uh, Shaq Leonard now, <laughs> um, hmm. not Darius. Um, and then and then you look offensively, man. And we know what we know what uh, Jonathan Taylor is, but I think Matt Ryan is going to bring the best out of Michael Pittman. Paris Campbell stepped up for them last year. They got a really good offensive line. Like, this team can be sneaky. And and also, man, don't count out Baltimore. They were riddled by injury last year and still almost, you know, made noise. But a healthy Baltimore Ravens with Lamar Jackson, who may be on a mission to get a, a contract um, after this year, that could be scary too. But those are the two teams I got my eyes on. Um, and I know they both come from the AFC. And the NFC, man, I think it's going to be – I think it's going to be straight to the tape. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think the teams that we're going to have in are going to be in. I got Philly in. Um, I got Dallas in. I got Green Bay in. I got New Orleans and Tampa in. And I got the Cardinals, Rams, and San Francisco as it stands right now. 
Well, listen, you know I'm a big fan of yours. It's been great to watch, whether it was on Thinking Out Loud on the SEC Network with Greg McElroy or yeah. SEC Nation or NFL Live or First Take. Uh, you do such a great job, Marcus. I always enjoy watching, and I always feel smarter after I'm done talking with you. So thanks for your time, bro. Dave, appreciate you, man. Thanks for having me, man, and good luck to you. I know you about to get going crazy too, man, so thank you. Yep, life ends for both of us here in about four days. So thanks, man. (laughs) All right, brother. All right, appreciate you, Marcus. Thanks again, man. Yes, sir. All right, so good to catch up with Marcus. You see him everywhere. First take with Stephen A. Smith, NFL Live with Mina Kimes and Laura Rutledge and Ryan Clark and Dan Orlovsky. He's got the podcast with Kendrick Perkins. Marcus is one of my favorites. So engaging, fun to listen to. Had some great stuff to say about the Cardinals. He's very bullish on Arizona in 2022. He's got him in the playoffs. He also says that we're going to see Kyler Murray's maturity off the field and his leadership skills, how they've evolved and grown and matured, that translating into more wins and better play and consistency and more victories down the stretch for the Cardinals here in 2022. We are presented by BetMGM, the official sports betting partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Gila River Hotels and Casinos. You can follow us on Twitter, at PashPod. You can also go to your podcast platform and rate us. Tell us what you think. If there's a guest that you really want to hear from, tell us who you want. We'd be happy to take your suggestion and try to accommodate. Thanks again to ESPN's Marcus Spears, and thanks to you for listening to another edition of the Dave Pash Podcast.